Holy Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name for your goodness, for your love and mercy which you have bestowed upon us in various ways. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual blessings you've given to us through the ministry of your holy angels on our behalf, for your dear Son that you sent to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins, and for the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus in the sanctuary for us even now. We thank you for your spirit which you have given to us to lift us up into heavenly places that we may be transformed. Now, dear Lord, we pray, as spiritual things are spiritually discerned, we do not trust ourselves to be able to understand your word as we should. Therefore, we ask for the gift of your spirit to grant us understanding and all who will be listening, that they shall be granted the gift of the Holy Spirit that their hearts may be impressed as well as ours, that we all may be partakers of spiritual blessings, be transformed into the image of your, of your dear Son, that we may be in a position to live up to the holiness of the Lord, even in this present world. Do this and take the glory in Jesus' name of prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage January 6. Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 to 15. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is it, which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bdelium and the Oink's stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 to 15 Although everything God had made was in the perfection of beauty, and there seemed nothing wanting upon the earth which God had created to make Adam and Eve happy, Yet he manifested his great love to them by planting a garden especially for them. A portion of their time was to be occupied in the happy employment of dressing the garden, and a portion in receiving the visits of angels, listening to their instruction, and in happy meditation. Their labor was not wearisome, but pleasant and invigorating. This beautiful garden was to be their home. In this garden, the Lord 
placed trees of every variety for usefulness and for beauty. There were trees laden with luxuriant fruit of rich fragrance, beautiful to the eye and pleasant to the taste, designed of God to be food for the holy pear. There were the lovely vines which grew upright, laden with their burden of fruit, unlike anything man has seen since the fall. The fruit was very large and of different colors, some nearly black, some purple, red, pink, and light green. This beautiful and luxuriant growth of fruit upon the branches of the vine was called grapes. They did not trail upon the ground, although not supported by trellises, but the weight of the fruit bowed them down. It was the happy labor of Adam and Eve to form beautiful boas from the branches of the vine and train them, forming dwellings of nature's beautiful living trees and foliage laden with fragrant fruit. It was the design of God that man should find happiness in the employment of tending the things he had created and that his wants should be met with the fruits of the trees of the garden. Had happiness consisted in doing nothing, man in his state of holy innocence would have been left unemployed. But he who created man knew what would be for his happiness, and no sooner had he created him than he gave him his appointed work. The promise of future glory and the decree that man must toil for his daily bread came from the same throne. Amen. The title of our devotion is Eden. As we have been looking at our origins and the purpose of God in creating man, today we are looking at the love of God that was displayed in him giving to man the garden called Eden. Sometimes we say the garden of Eden. There is a lot of mystery that surrounds this garden. In this garden we read that in the midst of it was planted the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then some others wonder about this garden. Where is it today? We hear about four rivers that flowed out of this garden, Pison, Gihon, Hidekel, and also the river Euphrates. In the book of Daniel chapter 10, we read about Daniel standing by the river of Hidekel, and also the river Euphrates is a very popular river today. As for Pison and Gihon, we don't hear much about it, and people wonder, where is the Garden of Eden? And even the Bible says that Hidekel is around Assyria, and that's where Babylon is. And that's exactly where Daniel was when he was by the river Hidekel in Assyria. And then Euphrates still exists still today. But the greatest mystery that surrounds this garden is its location. What happens to it? Where is it? This is what people, many people want to know. And by the grace of God, we will talk about this today. But before getting into that, let us look at the love of God in giving to man this garden. 
this garden called Eden was not part of the creation of that, uh, the, the major things God created in that six days. He planted the garden as we read in the book of Genesis chapter 2. It says there that God planted a garden in Eden, specially for man. And if we understand the origin of this garden, then we would know how much God loved man to have planted this garden. We are told in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 13. Let me say verse 12 and 13. Talking about a cherubim called Lucifer, Satan. And we see the origins of the garden here. It says in Ezekiel 28 verse 12 and 13. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him. Now this king of Tyrus is a representation of Lucifer, Satan. Say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And then verse 14 says, Thou art the anointed cherub. So that's why you see it is Lucifer. It's not a human being. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So here we see that Satan walked in Eden. Where is this Eden that Satan walked in? He didn't walk there as a sinner in the way it was written. Because here it says that he was in Eden, the garden of God. And every precious stone was his covering. And he was the anointed cherub. And if we keep going down to verse 15 and 16, it then says that later he sinned. So that means before Satan even sinned, he was in this garden called Eden. So here is not referring to Satan coming to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. This garden called Eden belongs to God. That's why it says here, Eden, the garden of God. God gave this Eden that belongs to him to Adam as a gift, special gift for him to take care of. To show you how much Adam was in the image of God. This is a garden of God which God himself takes care of. Now he creates man and exalts man by giving him this his garden do you know what it is for god to give us his own property his garden to us and say take this garden live in it that garden was the epitome of paradise earth itself when it was created the lord said that it was very good the earth was beautiful teeming with beauty all over colorful beauty but eden was greater in beauty than the rest of the earth. Eden was given to Adam as his own house, his own home. And this was God's own property given to him. You see, what we learn from here is that God is not a selfish God. He doesn't withhold anything good from man, but his character and his gifts in fact, in the book of, of Revelation, chapter 3, reading verse 20 there and 21, we are told the highest gifts that can be given to anybody, the highest position God holds will be given to man. Jesus said to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set with my father on his throne. What is the lesson here? What is the greatest thing that you can have than to sit on God's throne? 
Jesus is saying, I overcame and I'm sitting on my father's throne. If you overcome, I will grant you the gift, privilege of sitting on my throne, which is the father's throne. God is not willing to hold anything from you. He wants to give us all his gifts. Eden was one of the gifts and he gave it to Adam. Take it. It belongs to God, but he gave to Adam. Take, live in it. It's mine, but take it. Wonderful God that we have. Do you understand the love of God? As you see him giving this gift of Eden to man, and also promising to give us a greater gift to sit on his throne, you should understand something of the God who is the creator of heaven and earth, that he is the most selfless being that exists and we are to learn selflessness from him can you give your best gift to someone the best gift what has god withheld from man is it eden he gave it to sit on his throne he's going to give that what about his life he has already given it and how about you we should learn from god the lesson of selflessness he is ready to put himself at risk that you may survive. And as we receive this blessing from him, we also should be ready to give our best gift to him and also to our fellow men so that they can be saved. For those who are placed in a worse condition than ourselves, we should be ready to give them the best of gifts that we can offer as children of God. This is a lesson that we learn from God in giving to man that garden called Eden. So, we know that man sinned against God. In this garden, take note, that is where the tree of life is. As we read it in the book of Genesis chapter 2, the verse 8 says, And the Lord God planted the garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man which he had formed. And then when we go down to verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, before talking about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in verse 9, it had said, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so we see that this tree of life is in the garden of eden that's where it is so where is it today many people want to know after adam sinned he was told to leave the garden and that garden, the Lord placed a cherub in front of it to ensure that man will not go there to eat from the tree of life. And the reason, we'll talk about that some other time, was so that sin will not be prolonged. In verse 24 of Genesis 3, it says, So he drove the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So that is the reason. It's not that God wanted to withhold the garden itself, but in the garden is the tree of life. 
and man cannot perpetuate sin in other words eating of the tree of life is not going to take away our sins but it only prolong life and in mercy god doesn't want us to continue living forever in sin and so he withheld man from eating of that tree of life so what happened to the garden of eden that's the question one thing we can see is that in the book of revelation 22 something remarkable is shown to us reading from verse 1 it says talking about the new jerusalem and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of god and out of the lamb in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations amen so in the earth made new after christ's second coming when the earth is going to be cleansed and recreated we see that the tree of life reappears that means the the garden is once again around so what happened to it it was not destroyed by the flood reading from the book patriarchs and prophets page 62 paragraph 2 it makes it clear to us the garden was taken by god who planted it because before the lord planted his garden eden and from what we see in the scriptures this garden was already there it is garden of god so he put it there and he can also remove it so it shouldn't surprise us to see that god actually removed the garden because he actually put it there because the bible says that god planted it after the creation of the whole earth he planted it so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that he can also remove what he planted and then when the earth is made new again he plants it back again so reading from the book patriarchs and prophets page 62 paragraph 2 he says the garden of eden remained upon the earth long after man had become an outcast from its pleasant parts the fallen race were long permitted to gaze upon the home of innocence their entrance barred only by the watching angels at the cherubim guarded gate of paradise the divine glory was revealed hither came adam and his sons to worship god here they renewed their vows of obedience to that law the transgression of which had banished them from eden when the tide of iniquity overspread the world and the wickedness of men determined their destruction by a flood of waters the hand that had planted eden withdrew it from the earth but in the final restitution where there shall be a new heaven and a new earth it is to be restored more gloriously adorned than at the beginning end of quote amen so that is just an explanation of what we have already seen in the bible god planted it so he can remove it and he did remove it because the very fact that we see again the tree of life in the new jerusalem doesn't show that god is uh, creating eden again and the fact that eden is something that already even existed before we see that even before satan sinned he was in eden so it is not something that cannot be removed the very fact that it was being protected shows you that god was never going to be was never going to destroy eden cherubims were placed at the gates to stop the way to the tree of life which is eden and so you can tell very clearly from the fact that cherubims were placed there no man was allowed to enter in it was preserved it you can tell very clearly that no way was it destroyed 
by the flood. Rather, it was taken away. And as we see it restored, talked about in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it shows that God will plant that garden again on the earth. Another thing we want to learn from this is that God gave Adam the garden of Eden, not just as a home, but he also gave him work to do. Remember that man is created in the image of God, and God labored six days and rested the seventh. So in order for man to be truly in the image of God, he has to work just as the Father, his, his creator, also works. Employment is very important for man. Idleness is never good. Sodom and Gomorrah became what they were because of idleness. The Bible tells us in the book of Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. So, what is a sin? Idleness. God has never created man to be idle. We must work. Jesus himself said in the book of John chapter 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He also said in John 5 verse 17, My father worketh hitherto and I work. Work is beneficial, very important. What are the benefits of work? I'll be reading. Even I don't need to read. You just need to understand. If we don't work, how will we feed? If we don't work, how will our body be in good health? It's important that we work for providing for others, not even just for ourselves, so that we can be able to be fruitful just like our Lord is fruitful. The Lord works not so that he can just satisfy himself, but so that he can be productive to help us. Every work the Father does is selfless. It is for us. And even we too should have a selfless mindset in working. It is good to accumulate wealth, but for the purpose of helping others. We must understand the purpose of money so that when you are going to get it, you understand its necessity and how important it is. We are told in our high calling page 340 paragraph 4, it says, those who rightly value money are those who see its availability in bringing the truth before those who have never heard it and by this means rescuing them from the power of the enemy end of quote money is important working is important to get possessions is good but have a mindset that it should not be for the accumulation of wealth for the lust of the world the lust of the flesh and the pride of life it is to be used for the benefit of others to fulfill the covenant we are told in the book of deuteronomy chapter 8 that god is the one who gives us the power to make wealth for one purpose that we may fulfill the covenant which he has made with us and what is this covenant the keeping of the commandments of god jeremiah chapter 31 verse 30 for this is the covenant i'll make with them in those days i will put my law in their hearts that is the covenant so that the law can be in people's hearts and in our hearts so work is very important because through work we are happy and we make others happy by the things we get out of the work reading from testimony treasures volume 2 page 47 paragraph 2 says the hill of progress is not to be climbed without effort no one need expect to be carried along to the prize either in religious or secular matters, independently of his own exertions. The race is not always to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Yet, 
he that dealeth with a slack hand will become poor. The persevering and industrious are not only happy themselves, but they contribute largely to the happiness of others. Competency and comfort are not ordinarily attained except at the price of earnest industry. Pharaoh showed his appreciation of this trait of character when he said to Joseph, If thou knowest any man of activity among them, Joseph's brethren, then make them rulers over my cattle. Genesis chapter 47 verse 6. End of quote. So we see here, work brings happiness to us and to others because it helps us to provide for others. And that's why it's important to work various kinds of work that exist and fields of labor including the labor of the ministry which is the work that our lord jesus was doing that work a noble work we are even told that that man who is doing that work is doing greater work than is the farmer but all these works are important as far as we are blessing others with the work it is very important that we understand the lord created man to be a blessing and in giving man work that was a means for him to bless others in the new heavens and the new earth work is still going to be part of man's uh, daily activities nothing is changing as he created man to work six days we will still work six days in the new heaven in the paradise that we say we are going to there will still be work six days labor reading about that in the book of isaiah chapter 65 reading from verse 17 it says for behold i create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind verse 19 and i will rejoice in jerusalem and joy in my people and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying verse 21 and they shall build houses and inhabit them and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat for as the days of a tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall enjoy the work of their hands they shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble for they are the seed of the blessed of the lord and their offspring with them amen there is work for us here and in the world to come those who are indolent lazy and you not you do not like work then heaven will not be for you because heaven is not a place of laziness the earth when god created it in the first instance was not about laziness and just relaxing doing nothing adam had work to do gardening was the work that he gave and it was actually a specific well-selected work there are many works to do but god selected gardening for many reasons and we'll get to know that soon but suffice to say now as i conclude that the love of god revealed in giving us the garden of eden and even in the future promising to do that and like i've also said all the good gifts he gives to us shows us his selflessness and we should learn to be as selfless as he is also we see that work is good and important so that we can be happy and also be a happiness to others there are some today who are wondering but i am unemployed i don't have work do the work that lies nearest there's a field of labor open for you god is calling he's looking for people to work in his vineyard jesus said the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few there are many of us who would not want to do this labor of ministry 
but there, God is looking for people. He's employing. There's vacancy. There's vacancy and he's advertising it. Vacancy, vacancy. Here are the requirements. Come. That's all the requirements. And I will train you and make you uh, fishers of men, like he said, laborers in his vineyard. Will you come? If you are not fitted for that work, because it's not everybody who is fitted for the work of the ministry, pray to God to provide work for you. But do not be selective. Be open. Whatever the Lord brings your way, do it. It is not about how much money you are getting from it. It is not about how productive the thing may be in your eyes. But every work that is humble, noble, and good, you don't know what the Lord is training you for. Do that work. So, um, Moses was a prince in Egypt, but he was not ashamed to take the work of a cattle rearer when he went to the land of the Midianites. He did it. He had no problems with it. We shouldn't exalt ourselves so highly that we reject noble and honest works around us so that we can wait for the big money work. No, don't do that. You don't know where the Lord wants to lead you. Whatever comes your way, whatever your hand finds to do, we are told, do it with all your might. As far as it's an honest work, may the Lord give us grace to understand these things even better and become more like Him. Amen. Amen. Just continuing on the thoughts, I'll read again from the second paragraph where it says, Although everything God had made was in the perfection of beauty, and there seemed nothing wanting upon the earth which God had created to make Adam and Eve happy, yet he manifested his great love to them by planting a garden especially for them. What a love story. Right here we find the hint of a personal creator. Our creator, our God is a great lover and a lover of beauty. A woman who is already married now for 40 years told me something she loves dearly about her husband. Now you must understand that we were wondering why would she stay so long in this marriage because when we look at the man, the man is very difficult to deal with. But she endured the marriage and she says, and I quote, he anticipates my needs and so I don't have to tell him that this is finished or that is finished or that is about to finish. He's already making plans before I get there. The problem is solved. This gives me great peace of mind. He doesn't have to tell me that he loves me. By these acts, I know he does. You see, I was turned by her statement. Love is a great motivator. It prompts us into action. In God's case, it's even better. Although everything God had made was in the perfection of beauty, and there seemed nothing wanting upon the earth, which God had created to make Adam and Eve happy, yet he manifested his great love to them by planting a garden especially for them. See, a young man wanted to marry one president's daughter. He was not so rich after all, but for the sake of his daughter, the president built a home for them. In other words, here God gave Adam a garden. God made Adam a gardener. What a great gift. According to the story, it was 
to show his great love that he planted a garden especially for them is a special gift a special marriage package a special gift wrapped up adam here is the garden i wonder adam who came forth from the hand of god as a blueprint of beauty holy and perfect and eve who is delicately and intricately designed the daughter of the most high king a princess of the first order was given a garden as an overflow of love wait a minute you mean to tell me that god made her and her husband farmers because of love that's what we get here let us make a contrast today how many now let us be honest how many people will rain causes on me today if i on their birthday maybe on their birthday card i wrote because the lord loves you happy birthday may the lord make you a farmer for the rest of your life they will say god forbid some will say that i am enemy an enemy of progress what happened to the nobility of this work farming why is it that today people hate farming i mean they run away from it they don't want to don't mention it everybody living the villages coming to the city abandoning the lands and we see clearly the result of the action scarcity and the land is becoming weaker and weaker why did god not say i will make you an office fully air conditioned with revolving chairs so that you can relax away from physical labor is that not why people are going into all kinds of gambling today and bettings and 419 so that they will just blow big and sit in the one corner and enjoy for the rest of their life just go and be one big house and sit in the house and until death comes does that consist of happiness that's not what we are reading here remember the lord is a great lover and father he anticipates our needs say but he who created man knew what would be for his happiness note and so no sooner had he created him that he gave him his appointed work the promise of future glory and the decree that man must toil for his daily bread came from the same throne hallelujah how many of us can confirm today the things we thought will make us happy when we obtain them it proves to be only but a mirage god gave him a work outdoors today depression is on the rise gloom and doom is heavy and thick in the hearts of men god knew that adam needed to be active in the garden in order that he may remain happy and healthy what then is the secret behind god's choice of work for adam so if we want to find out then we must understand the benefits of farming why is farming a beneficial work and god in his wisdom had picked this for adam number one increased oxygen intake you understand that god has his own doctors we call them new start nutrition exercise water sunlight temperance air rest and trust in god now all of these 
are the remedies, nature's remedial agents that God uses to treat all manner of illnesses. Since man will sin, God already knew it. And so man, the day he sinned, he will begin to die. Things will begin to break apart in his body. And so God, in order to keep him regenerating every day, he needs the benefits of the life outdoor so when he goes out to work in the farm in the green plants is found a high concentration of oxygen increased oxygen intake the current of life the blood is greatly improved and energized and purified by oxygen as he stands in the teeming greens the life-giving atmosphere he enjoys firsthand the regenerative power of the creator he will have to drink water as he he will need to drink more water because of work and heat. The water in turn flushes and breaks metabolites and the toxins keeping the blood clean. You understand that one of the reasons why people are sick today is because of dehydration. Dehydration is the cause of many pathologies. It's symptom producing. It is disease producing. In fact, a man once said that we are now sick. But we are thirsty. The sign of thirst manifests itself in many ways in arthritis, in rheumatism, in kidney diseases, in brain diseases. All forms of diseases is as a result of chronic dehydration. It begins small. What about sunlight? The number one cause of depression today happens to be the deficiency of the vitamin D. We understand that Adam had surplus he was to stand in full vigor of manhood under the sun, a beacon of strength. Now we know that scientifically, and it has also been clinically proven, that when light hits the skin, it kicks in a process, a factory, that ends up in the production of a vitamin that is responsible for the direct and indirect control of over 2,700 genes in the human genomes. These genes, they are responsible and they are related to the disease control mechanism of the body. No wonder why we did not hear that Adam had a kidney disease in his 400 year or Adam was sick of this in his 500 year. He was a beacon of health. Also, as he exercises under the sun, the same effect that people pay thousands of dollars today to get using sauna, is done even better by exercise and sunlight as he sweats the burdens of the lungs and the kidney and the liver is greatly relieved through the sweats of the skin the skin is helping these organs do their work since the body is designed to deal with all kinds of stress as adam walks under the sun the body will produce something called hsps or the heat shock proteins they, this protein stores travel to the brain and these proteins threatens the misfolding proteins. All those proteins have, that is misfolded in the brain, which is characteristics of Alzheimer's disease. So Adam's brain has been renewed. His brain was active as compared to what we see today. Today, all kinds of brain diseases, dementias, Alzheimer's, all of them are on the rise because of inactivity and diet the nutrition adam had first class 
foods to eat from the plants. Adam never depended on animal for his diet. God gave him his diet in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. The fruits, the seeds, the nods and the grains, first hand fresh. They were filled with living enzymes and they helped in regenerating his body. Today, 100% of what we eat has been tampered with some form in some form or the other. And so people are eating processed, dead food, demineralized, vitalized, nothing to derive from them. The body is just walking, trying to break down things that will end up producing nothing, helping and causing disease of all kinds in the body. Things that are fake, non-food materials is what is being eaten today. And today, animal product, animal flesh diet is on the rise when the record shows that the animals are diseased and the risk of contacting disease increases tenfold by meat eating because all these diseases in the animal has been transferred to the human body in trying to get to what the animal had eaten. So what we need to do is remove the animal from the way and go straight for the plant. First class. We need first class proteins, first class vitamins. We are not to wait until the animals have digested them before we try to digest their flesh in order to get them and our own body has been weakened by these processes. Above all, after six days, Adam was given rest. He was told to walk. He will walk for six days in the garden. What a relief. The body will rest. When a man walks a day, he will have sound sleep. Today, one of, another cause of disease is a lack of sleep. Because we have all this sedentary work and all this light around us, we just while around the day and then in the night we hardly sleep. But the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. The body regenerates during sleep. Sleep is the agent of healing. Repair is done when we sleep. When we sleep, the brain fires information better. And so Adam had the benefits of sleep, sound sleep, because he had the benefit of physical labor. And on the seventh day, of course, we know that Adam rested as his maker on the seventh day. Above all, he learned to continually trust in God he trusted God for rain, trusted him for the germination of the seed, trusted him for a good harvest. As a matter of fact, you hardly see an artist farmer. Because farming builds up our faith and dependence upon God. The world will hardly see a man who is as happy as Adam, although seen mad the relationship with the father. But he could see happiness. He could see love in the provisions made by the Father. And he was content looking in hope and by faith to the coming of the Redeemer. But he, the life he led afterward, he understood the love of God being manifested in the work given to him by the creator had happiness consisted in doing nothing as our brother have told us man in his state of holy innocence would have been left unemployed and so god gave man a work that is fitting and noble don't let anybody fool you that farming is a work for the less privileged 
There is nobody, no man will ever stand in the fullness of strength and manhood as did Adam. He came forth from the hand of his creator perfect and God gave him this work. Famine is a noble work. There is a blessing in it. If only the world had embraced these blueprints that God had given to man, the world would not be so much in great distress as we see today. We see the stresses of nation and we come into a time when it will be very clear to all that the work that God gave man is the work that man had to return to if man must escape the corruption and the loss that is in the world. We understand that we come into a time when a man could no longer buy or sell. So the man will have to depend on the things that comes from the ground that he had planted. We've been told that men and women who have lands, a piece of garden where they can grow their own food, will live as kings and queens in the coming crisis. A time has come where we have to return to the original plan. We have to have a place where we can have the benefit of planting our own gardens, and the Lord will bless the fruit of the ground and the fruit of the basket and the fruit of our bodies as he did promise and as he promised ancient Israel. So we see clearly love being manifested, love being shown. Our father really loves his children. That we may understand and look, as we look into the life of Adam and the gift that he gave to man, we see truly and clearly that in this one gift is also a prototype or a macrocosm of the plan of salvation from the very throne that precedes the promise of the blessings also gave man the work and then we have to carry this blueprint and imprint it and plant it in, even in our own lives. May this be our experience as we go to work. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we continue to say thank you for the words that we have read. We thank you especially for the future life because as we see that the beauties of the garden and the beauties of the tree of life that has been transplanted as we have been told, we look forward to partaking of that tree again. And because we have these in our minds, the Lord help us to live lives that are worthy so that when you come, you will take us home to this place where we long to be. We want to be in the same position that Adam was before the fall. We want our eyes to see these glorious things, these acts of love and mercy. The Lord continue to keep us steadfast that we may enjoy all these wonderful promises when you shall come to take us into thy kingdom. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.